the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Jared Graybeal. And on today's episode, we have an awesome interview. This is something that uh, I've been pretty excited about for the past couple of weeks to get into. As you know, over the past couple of years, I've talked a handful about the value of creativity in business. And today we have somebody that's going to, uh, we have an expert in it. So um, someone that gets to talk a little bit more about it than me. Um, today we have social innovator, speaker, activist, humanitarian, Ferdos Karras. Um, we get to talk a little bit about his book uh, titled Creativity, The Key to a Remarkable Life. Uh, Ferdos, thanks for being on the show. Welcome to the Business and Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Jared. It's a pleasure to be here. Likewise, man. Um, well, let's jump right into it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your background and what led you to writing this book. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Well, my background, my book is actually based a lot on my early socialization. And I can draw a straight line between how I grew up and who I am today. And I grew up in Calcutta uh, originally. I was born in Calcutta. I met Mother Teresa several times before she was uh, globally famous because my mother headed a national NGO in India and took me to meet her several times. And then I grew up in Bombay. That's what the name of the city was then. And then I came to Pennsylvania, to first to high school, then did my undergrad in Pennsylvania, and then came to Canada to go to grad school. And ever since then, I've been in Canada, and I've been, uh, I've been working in international affairs and trying to make the world a better place. So first, I was executive director of the United Nations Association. Then I worked for the Minister of Immigration as a policy advisor on immigration and refugee issues. Then um, for five years, I headed something called the Backlog Subdivision of the Immigration Refugee Board. And then I started a media company, but a media company with a difference, a media company that drew on my background in international affairs and that basically uh, tried to change the world as much as one person can using mass communications. So what I do is I I call it behavior change communications. And so far, my work has been seen in 198 countries, used by, seen by over a billion people, and uh, and exists in some 52 different series. I've uh, specialized in animated shorts, uh, and you can go onto my Vimeo channel and see and download any of them. There are about uh, 4,000 animated shorts on there in over 400 language versions. Yeah, I, I. Um... I watched a handful of it, you know, preparing for this interview and uh, some really interesting topics. And I think fascinating how you um, leveraged uh, media in a, in a creative way to talk about topics that aren't very, I guess, entertaining would be the word. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. I've always used media to come to bring the audience to the serious point I'm making at the end. So I don't believe in coercing people into changing their behavior. You know, if you think about a lot of the media that you've seen that's behavior change communication, they kind of bash you on the head and they say, do this or don't do that. I don't do that. I use humor a lot. 
to bring the audience to the serious point I want to make at the end. So I've used humor in issues like rape and sexual violence and uh, domestic violence and human rights uh, uh, for children and so on. I've always used a different kind of approach because I think you have to reach your own conclusion. You have to, the media just nudges you uh, towards your own uh, conclusion that you need to change your behavior and act uh, or think in a different way. Yeah. And that involves a lot of creativity, and that's why I wrote my book. You can imagine that doing something like uh, violence reduction in 198 countries is a very, very difficult task. Uh, and you need a lot of creativity to get around what I call the barriers to human communications. And I, in my book, I mention a lot of those barriers, you know, cultures and religions and geographies and nationalities and our political opinions and our economic status and our ethnicities and our nationalisms. All of these things uh, stifle creativity, actually. Uh, and, and our barriers to us being able to communicate with each other. So I have to get around all those barriers and communicate to each person as an individual human being. I think that if there is any lining, silver lining, in the COVID-19 crisis that we're going through in 2020, it is that we have finally come back to the realization that there are issues that impact us as human beings. And it doesn't matter where we live. It doesn't matter how rich or poor we are. It doesn't matter what language we speak. There are issues that, that simply impact us as human beings and that we need collectively to apply our creativity to get around these issues. Yeah. Would you have gone about... Uh... I guess maybe creating media around the coronavirus differently than what the media currently did and is doing? Oh, oh I have. I have, in fact, uh, done that. So the first uh, work I did was uh, to explain what the virus was and how to protect yourself and what to do if you got it. And now I'm dealing in the Middle East in multiple languages uh, on the stigma felt by uh, healthcare workers because of the virus. I think that the virus has taught us a lesson, and that is that we've had to rethink everything. I mean, can you imagine all of us have had to use our imagination? All of us have had to rethink things. It doesn't matter whether we you know, have young children at home, uh, whether we now work from our homes. If we are a business leader, uh, we have to apply our business goals in a different way. We have to look at our supply chains. We have to look at how we create our products. We have to look at how we reach markets, how we reach our clients, how we market to new clients. Everything has had to be rethought. So I think that if 2020 has taught us anything, it is that creativity is the most important skill that anybody needs in life today and going forward. Now, creativity is a broad topic. Can you narrow it down for us? Well, first let me give you my definition of what is creativity. Creativity is the ability to think differently by a mental process of original thoughts that leads to the creation of new ideas. So in my book, I go through what is creativity. You know, a lot of people think 
that they are the creative people or they're not. They, they think, okay, you know, many people are born with creativity, like a talent for painting or writing or composing music or designing. I think that everyone is a creative human being. The extent to which you are creative is different. The extent to which you apply your creativity and your creative thinker is different, but everybody is a creative person. You just need to orient your mind towards creativity and open it up to think creatively. So you need to orient your mind towards newness, to come up with new ideas and to be receptive to people who have new ideas. You know, we, we eat three times a day to nourish our bodies. We don't do enough to nourish our minds. Opening up your mind to creativity, using your imagination, expanding your horizons, seeing opportunities, seeing options, embracing a new way of thinking, that is like feeding your mind. What, what do you think is a, um, a more practical way to feed your mind in order to induce creativity? Well, there are lots of practical ways. There are exercises that you can do. There, there are different ways that I go through. Cre- creativity is applicable everywhere. It is a, having an open mind. It's fun. It's expression. It's curiosity. It's all around you. I noticed that, for example, that there's a painting uh, on wood right behind you. Well, uh, that is somebody's applied their creativity to come up with that. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a painter. It doesn't mean you have to be a writer. It doesn't mean you have to be a composer. Creativity is not the same as artistry. Artistry is uh, is what is behind you. But creativity can be applied in every different way, in many different ways, in our personal lives and in our professional lives. I'll give an example. You know, if, if you... If you Uh, could go back in history and you could pick any three people in history that you wanted to meet, who would you pick? And more importantly, what would you serve them to eat for dinner? Are you asking me this question? Yeah, go ahead. What three people would you meet? Uh, Well, the first two, for some reason, was Steve Jobs and Jesus Christ. Um, The third, third would be... Dale Carnegie. Those are just All right. names. The, those are great names. Okay. So let's take Steve Jobs as an example. He was a highly creative thinker. And Steve Jobs is in my book, and I quote him quite often. And Steve Jobs took over uh, from a business perspective. A, a, he wasn't the first to come out, for example, with a mobile phone. Do you know who created the first mobile phone? It was Motorola. Mm-hmm. Motorola actually had the first mobile phone. And where is Motorola today? Nobody thinks about Motorola. And the reason for that is simple. They had this creative thinking in the first instance to create the mobile phone, but they didn't continually apply their creative thinking. And then Steve Jobs and Samsung and everybody else came over, applied their creative thinking, and took over the market. I think Apple today is one of the most creative companies. And think about Apple. Apple started with two guys in the garage. You know, that's all it was, just two guys in the garage. And Motorola already had the rock on the mobile phone market, yet they were able to apply their creativity. They were able to continuously apply creativity throughout their lives 
throughout their professional life to come. And they have created, as a result of that creative thinking, they've created the largest market capital company in the world. It has, at the moment, the largest market cap in the world. So Apple and Steve Jobs are great examples of what you can do with creative thinking. It doesn't mean that you have to be a Steve Jobs. It doesn't mean that you're going to change the world. It doesn't mean that you're going to become a multi-billionaire. What you can do is a is define your own way, your, your own method of using creative thinking, and then design your own life with it. You decide, okay, this is what success is to me. I mean, to me, for example, a billionaire, is, you know, I don't want to be a billionaire. I would never want to be a billionaire. I, that's not my definition of success. But uh, so you define your own definition of success, and creative thinking, expanding your mind, will bring you to that definition of success much easier than being a narrow-minded thinker. I agree. So it sounds to me like one of the first steps to becoming, or I guess becoming more creative, is sort of admitting the fact that you can be creative despite whether or not you're a, an artist like the painting behind me or a musician. Um, would that be right? Basically, that's, that's absolutely right. The first thing is accepting that you are a creative human being because we all are. And you know why we think we might not be a creative human being? It's because of our educational system. So what happens is that when we are young, we all use our imaginations. We all paint, we all dance, we all sing. We use our imaginations when we are ch children. Then as we go through school, we become more and more worried about peer pressure. And the school system tends to suck our creative thinking out of us. Don't be different, you know, conform. Uh, and now we have standardized testing in, in schools. I'm actually a fierce opponent of standardized testing in schools. I think it sucks creative thinking out of, uh, out of uh, children. Then you get into the workplace, you graduate, you get into the workplace, your failure, your risk factor goes way down. You get afraid of failure. And that is one thing you need to do if you want to expand your creative thinking. You must embrace failure. You must have the ability to fail. You must think, okay, it's okay to fail once in a while. And, and by the way, Steve Jobs and all these other people that you can think of, uh, have failed. And there's no doubt in them, in my mind, that they have failed at various times. You, you got to remember, since you mentioned Steve Jobs as, as, as an example, don't forget that Apple threw Steve Jobs out at one stage in their life. You know, where Apple as a company threw out its own founder. Uh, and, and there are lots of reasons for that, but it actually threw out the creative genius that created the company. So if you had asked Steve Jobs at that moment when he was thrown out by his own board, he would have said, I failed. Well, he might have said, I failed. I mean, I don't know what his thinking was, but he might have said that. I don't think he failed, obviously. And you go through history, you know, I think that the greatest experts in failure uh, today, uh, the Nobel Prizes for Physics uh, were announced, and the greatest uh, experts in failure are research scientists because they know over and over and over again that they're going to fail. In yeah. fact, a lot of scientific experiments are done 
knowing from the beginning that the chances of success are extremely small. And right now, since we mentioned COVID, there are over 100 vaccines being created uh, in various stages of being created around the world. Well, okay, 90 of them, 99 of them are not going to work. You know, uh, it doesn't mean that we sh- the 99% uh, that not, are not going to work shouldn't be doing exactly what they're doing to try and create a vaccine because we need that one that works, just one that works. And so research scientists are experts in failure. And I think that even business leaders need to embrace failure and they need to create a culture within the organization that allows people to fail. And I think that Apple and the other companies that we have mentioned, they're experts in building this kind of culture where people have have the ability to try out things and to fail. Yeah, I agree entirely. And you know, it's, it's easy to say it, it's a little bit harder in reality to create a standard operating procedure for regular failure, you know, um, because, you know, as we, as we build businesses, they, they go from small to large, hopefully, uh, in, in most cases. And in doing so, we recognize like in the early stages of, at least in startups, most people are oftentimes really creative. That's how you sort of make it through the startup stages, but yeah. then you begin to create these standard operating procedures. You have people that do certain things now, less people are juggling multiple roles and you have, you have an HR person and you have a customer service person. And I think when that, when that begins to happen, when we begin to quote unquote, quote, scale our businesses, we can lose that creative element. Um, you know, one thing I try to do with our business is not, I wouldn't say overstaff, but have just enough people to do what we need to get done to where each, I know that each and every employee has enough time in their weekly schedule to be creative. And we just try to inspire creative time to where I know that on Tuesday, employee A doesn't have a lot to do. So that's the day where I sort of expect him or her to, to just think freely and maybe challenge some pre, pre-existing beliefs around how we reach people and how we do our, our process and our business. And so how would you suggest other businesses apply the fail forward mentality, you know, in order to be more creative? Like what's a, what's a way that people could adopt that? Well, the first thing is that people need to acknowledge that creativity is an essential part of being a successful business. To be an innovator and gain a competitive advantage, you need to fully develop the creative skills, the creative thinking skills of the workforce in your own company and your own uh, organization. You know that the annual survey is done of, uh, by CEOs of, of uh, major companies and they ask the CEOs, what is the one skill that you're looking for the most in future employees? And believe it or not, for the last five years, over and over again, it's been creativity at the top of the list, at the top. It's not any kind of knowledge. It's creativity. It's the ability to look forward. It's the ability to think. It's the ability to solve problems. It's the ability to find problems. I have in my book eight characteristics that one needs to to go forward with creativity. 
And that starts, uh, I think, with the fact that it's never too early or too late to use creativity. So you need eight elements, I think, to go forward. First of all, you need a creativity-enabling environment. So from the head, from the CEO, all the way down, the creator of the company, the CEO of the company, the management of the company, all the way down, must create a creativity-enabling environment, an organizational culture that allows creativity. Secondly, the company needs to have a focus on innovation. Let me be clear about something, though, when I say the word innovation. You know, companies quite often make the mistake nowadays of putting people together and saying, okay, come up with some new ideas. You know, to put 10 people in a room and say, come up with some new ideas. You know, that's the worst thing I think you can do. I actually don't think that's the, that's the best way to great, get creative thinking. Creative thinking is an individual process, and it's not the same as innovation. Innovation is what results. It's a tangible result of creative thinking, but it's not creative thinking in itself. So groups do have an, orga an organizational role to play. I mean, you can take an innovative idea, a creative idea, and a group might you know, make it better or might be able to implement it or may be able to create that innovation, but it's not creative thinking by itself. Thirdly, the organization or the company needs to have creative freedom so that people within the organization have the ability to fail and uh, closely related to that. Fourthly, creative uh, people in an organization must be treated with respect so that when they fail, if they fail, they will fail if they're highly creative thinking, when they fail, they have the organizational ability to get up and keep going and not be judged and not be told, you know, go find somewhere else or we could have told you that's not going to work. These are all kinds of things that are said in companies that, that don't help uh, creative thinking. Fifthly, they must have the ability to assume multiple roles. There is no CEO in the world that no matter how big or small the company is, that has only one role. You must have the ability to think creatively, to, to assume multiple roles. You must have supportive relationships within the organization so that if, if you have a CEO and then you have, you mentioned, you know, your HR person and your marketing person and perhaps your product development person and so on, all of them need to have supporting relationships. You need to give creative people the money and tools necessary to create. So what I mean by that is just think about, I don't know, think about the Wright Brothers. Now, the reason you and I know that the Wright Brothers uh, were creative geniuses is not because they had the idea of creating a machine that flew. It's because they actually created a plane that flew so that they had the money and tools to actually implement that creative thinking to actually make the first aircraft that flew. Uh, you can have the most creative idea in your mind, but if you have no money and no tools and no way of implementing it, it doesn't do very much good. And finally, I say that you need one characteristic as a creative thinker above all else, and that doesn't matter whether you're in your company 
or in your personal life, you need passion. You need a belief in yourself. You need to know what you're doing uh, is creative. You need to have that ability, uh, your thinking in yourself, that you are going to do this no matter what. You're going to try this out. You need passion for what you do. And I hope there's passion in my voice because I have passion for creativity. Yeah, I can definitely tell. I think those eight things are super valuable. Um, It makes me think sort of kind of going back earlier in the conversation, you know, one of the things that we're sort of taught, or I guess that is a a belief that most people have is this right brain, left brain, you know, mathematical arithmetic in one side and then creativity in the other. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's in my book too. There is, uh, there's no question that, uh, scientists know that the brain is divided into the left brain and the right brain. There's some debate about whether one can dominate the other. But look, even mathematicians need creativity. And if you see one example of that, just think of Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking was, uh, was actually mentioned today when they announced the Nobel Prizes for uh, physics. Now, Stephen Hawking was a highly creative thinker even though he was essentially a scientist. And you can say, well, one plus one equals two. That's true. Uh, There's nothing creative about one plus one equals two. That's a factual statement to make. But mathematicians need creativity. Scientists need creativity because the way that they come to their conclusions, the way that they prove things need creativity. Stephen Hawking is famous as a scientist because of his writings, because he made his scientific theories understandable using his creative thinking by all of us. And I've read some of his books, uh, you know, and that's the creative thinking part of him that he applied to make us understand some very difficult scientific uh, experiments and thought processes that he was going through. So I think that there isn't a person, including the, the mathematician, including the scientist, uh, that, that uh, doesn't need creative thinking. We all need creative thinking in our process. I mean, we, we all apply it all the time. It's not that we don't apply it. I mean, do you have a pet, for example? Yeah, I do. Okay. What's your pet's name? Callie. There you go. That's a creative name. You see, you, when you thought of your pet, when you saw your pet uh, and you thought, okay, how am I going to name this pet? What name am I going to give this pet? You came up with that name. It's a creative name. It's a creative thinking process that brought you to that particular name for your pet. We all apply a creative thinking all the time. There's no person in this world who doesn't apply it. If you're, you're sitting on a chair right now, all your listeners are probably sitting on a chair. And well, if you're driving, don't get up. But if you're not driving, uh, get up and look at your chair because somebody designed that chair. Somebody used their creative thinking to design that chair. Now turn to the left. Now turn to the right. Look around you. You'll see creative thinking everywhere. Somebody came up with what you're seeing. Somebody designed that. Somebody used their imagination to actually create to the what whatever it is you're seeing. It doesn't matter what it is. So there isn't a person on this planet who doesn't always see and apply creative thinking. 
Now, the problem we have, if you're a narrow-minded thinker, if you're not a broad thinker, you're not a creative thinker, you want to apply that kind of creative thinking. So let me give an example. Uh, if you have a problem, and I give a silly little example in my book about the fact that I can't tie my shoelaces terribly well and get them to stay tight. Well, okay, if, they, if you have six holes in your shoes, there are over a trillion ways mathematically to tie your shoelaces. Uh, and I'm going through each one of them pretty slowly trying to find the best way. So a non-creative thinker might come up with, I don't know, three or five ways to create, tie their shoelaces. A creative thinker will come up with 50 ways to tie their shoelaces. And, you know, you can apply that on a mass scale so that if you stop at the first one or two or three ways to tie your shoelaces, that might not be the best way because it might be the 45th way. And that's the difference between being a creative thinker and a non-creative thinker. The non-creative thinker will simply have a solution, come to the first solution and stop their thinking. But the creative thinker says, okay, I've got one solution, one possible solution. Now let me look for all the other possible solutions let me look at the approaches I'm taking to this problem and apply different approaches to taking uh, to tackling this problem and then come up with the best solution. I, you know, I, I make the joke that I don't know how the 7-Up drink came to being, but I'm hoping that somebody created 1-Up, 2-Up, 3-Up, 4-Up, 5-Up, 6-Up, and then none of those came out terribly well, but 7-Up, the 7th time, it did. And it became a worldwide drink. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm just saying that that's the kind of thing. If you are non-creative thinking, you would have stopped at one up or two up. But if you're a creative thinker, you go to seven up and that's the one that succeeds. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to take a, a somewhat of a turn here, Ferdos. You you know, you know, mentioned your upbringing. Uh, you sounds like you've made a lot of changes in your life, especially culturally bounced around a little bit and then came to the States eventually. You've been in and, and witnessed many heartbreaking situations from what I read and um, from what I saw, Yeah. Uh, especially being an activist. Can you talk about any of those, any that come to mind right away? Well, I mean, the last thing I just did, uh, believe it or not, is to create a video called How to Interact with the Police in the United States. Hmm. Uh, because obviously that's a, a very topical issue. I, I deal with the most difficult issues of the world. I mean, if it's an easy issue, I don't deal with it. I, I try and pick the most difficult issues and try and make a difference uh, on those difficult issues. I, I think that um, we all have the ability, you know, I'm just one guy. I sit in my home. I don't have an office. Uh, I used to, <laughs> before COVID, travel a lot, but uh, I'm just one guy. Uh, the, the never underestimate the ability to make a difference, to be just one person to make that difference. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter in, if you're thinking very small, if you just want to make a difference, you know, in, in the way you interact with your spouse or your children or uh, have a family uh, that's happy. Uh, and have a good uh, life, 
that's really a great definition of success. It doesn't mean that you have to change the world. It doesn't mean you have to receive jobs. It doesn't mean that you that you have to become a billionaire. If you want to do any of those things, though, that's fine, too. That, that helps the world progress. Nothing less than the progress of the world, the future of the world, depends on our creative thinking. And it doesn't matter whether it's a small project or whether it's a global issue, like, for example, what's happening in the United States uh, with the interactions with the police or uh, in the other, like COVID-19 or climate change or any other big global issue that you can think of. We have to apply our creative thinking to tackle them. Otherwise, there wouldn't be problems in the first place. The yep. reason why there are problems is precisely because we have not applied that creative thinking, and now's the time to do do so. I agree. Um, so, Ferdos, what's your favorite part of the book that you wrote? I think it's probably just the whole book is just basically telling people how to apply their creative thinking and how to expand their thinking and and. My hope is that it helps people uh, to, to, you know, to express themselves and to unlock the inner creative power. I'm hoping that what, it come, what happens is that you build yourself, you design your own life and that you create a better life for yourself. You'll have more fun as a creative thinker. There's no question about that. I, I give you an example. Um, next time you take a photograph, you know, you're going to take a photograph of somebody, uh, let's say your spouse, your child. Well, put the child wherever you would normally take a photograph and take the normal photograph you would normally take. That's usual. That's average. That's what you would normally do. Then apply your creative thinking. Go and get a fly swatter or a toilet brush and ask your child to hold up the fly swatter or your spouse to hold up the fly swatter and then take the photograph, another photograph. So that's applying your creative thinking. That's expanding your mind. That is doing something you've never done before. And believe me, if you give your uh, child a fly swatter to hold and say, hold this fly swatter up and I'm going to take your picture, that child is going to start laughing. That child is going to have more fun with you. You're going to have more fun with that child. And you're going to create something unique, something that you've never done before and something that you can look back on years after simply because you applied your creative thinking. So in small ways and in big ways, whether you're leading a large organization or a company, that's what we need to do. And, and I hope that applying your creative thinking, becoming a broader thinker, uh, leads you, leads the viewer, uh, leads uh, the person listening to this podcast to uh, a better life. I mean, ultimately, that's what the goal is of the book. The goal is to help people create a remarkable life for themselves. I love it. I think one of the thoughts that just kind of flashed through my mind, if I were to sum up our conversation so far, is think more broadly and try things differently. Would you agree that's kind of the message uh, in, a, in a short summary? Yeah, I, I think that's a good, great summary. Uh, think more broadly, 
apply, uh, do things differently, you know, uh, and whether it's in small ways or big ways, you know, yeah. if you if you create something new, do you know what you do? You achieve immortality if it lives, outlives you, if you do something new. That's, you know, it, it, that's all. I mean, it might be a small process at your work that nobody's ever tried before. It might be a new invention that you come up with. It might be a painting. It might be nothing more. If you just take a piece of paper right now, anybody, take a piece of paper, take a pencil and draw a squiggle on it. Just a squiggle. Just take your pencil and draw a squiggle. It doesn't mean it's just an abstract squiggle, whatever comes into your mind. It is very, very, very unlikely that anybody else has drawn exactly the same squiggle that you have. What you have created is unique. Nobody else has probably done exactly that same squiggle. And that is an illustration of creative thinking. That's what it is. And if that piece of paper gets passed down to your children and that uh, your child one day says, my father, after you're gone, or my mother, after that person's gone, drew this, well, that's immortality. That's what it is. It's just something that outlasts you. Yeah, creativity is a, a, a creative way to be remembered. Um, so on the topic of business and leadership for a moment, aside from creativity, um, Ferdos, what do you think makes a good leader when we're talking about, you know, characteristics, again, aside from creativity? I think, the, I think exactly uh, aside from creativity, I think it's simply the ability to broaden your thinking to, you know, you can't be a dictator. You can't be uh, a narrow-minded person. You can't be unresponsive to other people's ideas uh, to be a good leader. Uh, you need to be all of those things. You need to embrace failure. You need to allow your people freedom uh, to be creative and to fail. Uh, a leader is somebody who, who not just takes people and shows them the way, but who allows people to develop their own sense of worth and being. And they are the ones who decide where they're going to go. A leader might bring people together, but uh, a leader doesn't go around saying, this is the way it is. And there, you know, there are many companies, there are many uh, uh, companies led by people, uh, even very successful people who say, this is the way it is. You know, we've tried that. We've done that before. No, that's not going to work. I don't believe in what you're saying. Those are the kinds of things that a leader uh, says to kill uh, the the thought processes of the people under them. And ultimately, those are the companies that fail. And, I mean, think of Motorola. Think of Kodak, for example. Kodak was warned, not just didn't go with digital photography, but Kodak actually was warned by outside consultants that if you don't transition to digital photography, you're going to die. Let me tell you who's going to die today. First, anybody who works on anything that's repetitive is going to die. Artificial intelligence uh, and robots and everything else that we're doing right now is going to take over that job 
and you're going to be out of a job pretty soon if you do something repetitive. And the second thing that's going to die is anybody who thinks that they're just going to sell to their customers in person. The one thing that COVID-19 COVID-19 in 2020 has showed us is that everything has moved online. No longer are you going to reach your customers in person uh, and that if you do, you're not going to succeed. Books is a good example. Uh, Almost nobody goes into a bookstore to buy a book anymore. I mean, literally, uh, nobody's buying my book in a bookstore. Everybody's buying my book online. And if you're a book publisher and you think, okay, I'm going to go with this old model that's been there for like 500 years of having a bookstore and uh, and putting people, uh, putting, you know, people's books like mine into the bookstore and wait for people to arrive to uh, buy the books, you're going to be out of business pretty soon if you don't have a digital online presence. So uh, I, I think that I think that business has to adapt, has to change continuously, and business has to understand that they need to create new processes, and and that doesn't mean come up with new innovations because that's a different thing. Uh, but they simply need to apply their creative thinking and and succeed to succeed in today's world. It's not the same world. Even in March of this year, it's not the same world. Everything has changed now. Dramatically different. Another example would be, you know, Netflix and Blockbuster. Um, So uh, a couple rapid fire questions before we close out today, Ferdos. Who's your, I I guess, who would be your most creative person? Like who's your favorite creative person? Leonardo da Vinci. Wow. Absolutely. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. Leonardo da Vinci was a creative genius uh, that the world has never seen. And by the way, Leonardo da Vinci is a good example of what I'm talking about in groups. The reason why we know Leonardo da Vinci's name today is because he wrote down his own ideas. He didn't put them through a group. He didn't say, okay, he didn't send them to a CEO who, who squashed them. He wrote down his own ideas. You know, Leonardo da Vinci drew out what is the equivalent of a modern helicopter. Now, 500 years ago when he lived, when he drew that helicopter, if he had taken it to anybody else in his uh, field, you know, anybody else alive at that time, they would have said, you're nuts. Yeah, I mean, you're literally nuts. What is this, a machine that can fly? You know, uh, that's absolutely nuts. Yet today, of course, we know what a helicopter is, and we have many helicopters around the world. So uh, if you're a highly creative thinker, you're out in front by yourself, and you have to have a thick skin. You have to have the ability to believe in yourself, and that's what I come back to, the passion You need passion in yourself. And think of Leonardo da Vinci. I mean, the guy created the most famous painting in the world. The guy was a mathematician. He was a doctor uh, relative to those uh, times. He was a paleontologist. He was a creative genius of the first order. So you remember when I asked you you uh, who you would go back in time and have dinner with, well, I would start with Leonardo da Vinci if I had the opportunity. Yeah. What, um, 
if you were to recommend uh, two other books besides yours, what would they be? Well, um, hmm, that's a hard question. I would say uh, Creative Inc., uh, which is written by the president of Pixar. I read that and I, I uh, have quite enjoyed that. Um, I love, a lot of books uh, about or by uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, uh, for example, uh, are very helpful uh, in, in broadening out your thinking. Um, I think Bill Gates is another good example. And uh, certainly Steve Jobs. I mean, uh, anything on Steve Jobs, to understand Steve Jobs and his thinking and the way he went forward uh, in his business and to understand that there was a point where he was at his low points in his life. There was a point where he went to India uh, and and had to go through, you know, he, he went through meditation for a while. Uh, and then came back. There was a point where his own board of directors threw him out. So, uh, you know, it's not always success. It's not always a, stay, a smooth way forward. Uh, it is difficult. Yeah. You know, to be a highly creative thinker uh, is not an easy process. Uh, you know, think of Van Gogh, uh, Van Gogh, right? Vincent Van Gogh. Nobody bought his paintings. Believe it or not, that he, I think he sold like two paintings in his entire life. Yet today, if a Van Gogh comes on the market, it sells for tens of millions of dollars. He's probably, you know, if he were alive today, would be a billionaire painter. Uh, and it, there's a difference, you know. Poor old Van Gogh, when he was alive, he had a very, very, very difficult life. Marie Curie. Marie Curie... Um, uh, got two Nobel uh, Prizes. The only woman, uh, the only person to get two Nobel Prizes. Marie Curie actually died a very horrible life, uh, unfortunately, because of radiation. Uh, she didn't know the effects of radiation and she died a very horrible life. So if you're a highly creative thinker like Marie Curie or Vincent Van Gogh, you're gonna face difficulties. You're gonna, you're gonna face setbacks and you must be prepared for them uh, and that's what I mean. You must have the ability. You must have the ability internally and externally to embrace failure. And that's how you become a creative thinker. Yeah. And I think the case can be made that living a challenging life of creativity is more fulfilling than living a simple but challenging life. Um, so uh, if you're, if you're going to have a tough life, you might as well be creative. Well, I, I actually think that creativity makes your life much easier so that you won't have a tough life. Uh, I've, written, I've written in my book, I've got a whole chapter on uh, what creativity and how you apply creativity to get around problems. You need to find all your problems and you need to apply creative thinking to your problems. Because, you know, uh, creative thinking will get you, allow you to find solutions to your problems much easier. Let's say you don't have enough money right now. I mean, in COVID-19, obviously, a lot of people are uh, having financial difficulties or are having uh, isolation uh, difficulties. Uh, there's, there's a lot more mental crisis going on in the world because of COVID-19. There's no doubt about it uh, in 2020. The, become a creative thinker, apply your mind, apply your mind, you know, in different ways, things that you've never done before and get out of your isolation because of your creative thinking. 
get on to different ways of communicating with people, with interacting with people. If you're feeling isolated, find different ways of making money. If you're in financial crunches right now, that's what's going to help you. And so don't be a narrow-minded thinker. Don't think that, okay, this is, I've tried this and, you know, that's all I can do. You know, that that kind of thinking is what leads ultimately to people to lead, uh, to commit suicide. The people who commit suicide feel that they have no options left. But creative thinking is exactly the opposite of that. Creative thinking is what always gives you options. Wow. Um, Ferdos, if you could put anything on a blank billboard, think on the busiest intersection you can find, what would it say? Think creatively. <laughs> it would just say two words, think creatively. I love you know, it. Uh, that's it. Ferdos, thanks for being on the Business and Leadership Podcast today. Again, your new book, Creativity, The Key to a Remarkable Life, is out. Where can people find the book? Where can people find you? Well, people can find the book on Amazon or on any of the many uh, platforms that carry books. Uh, you can also find me and the book on my own website, uh, which is Chocolate Moose Media, M-O-O-S-E, the animal, not uh, the dessert. Chocolate Moose Media, there's a creative name. Um, and in fact, if you order the book through my website, which you can, You'll get a personally signed uh, copy from me. You pay the same price, but you get a personally signed copy. But you can go to Amazon. You can go to all kinds of Barnes Noble, all kinds of other uh, other places to get the book. You can get the ebook. You can get a paperback book. You can get an audio book. Awesome. Well, again, I really appreciate your time today. I'm sure our audience will take a lot of value from this and hopefully be able to apply some more creativity to their life. And uh, until next time, man, have a great day. Thank you, Jared.